welcome to Hello Government of the Podcast. As always, I am Abdullah, and my guest today is the wonderful Isaac Robert, Robinson Smith. How are you doing, Isaac? <laughs> doing good. Thanks for having me. I, my my name's hard to say. I get it. It's I do the same thing when I'm <laughs> so it's totally fine. But I'm um, good. Glad to be here. Um irs yes i just i just realized your your initials are irs you know what's funny i didn't even notice it until way later in my life than i should have probably (laughs) like but that's why like my handle on instagram is irs voices that's the name of my business for voiceover so i just i just think it's funny now because you know i make a joke that i make a lot of money in april or march um but i don't get any of it but yeah irs has been a nickname from some of my friends but yeah i i didn't realize till later but yes it is i i wear it proudly those initials so first question is the obvious one, but how did you get started? Good question. It's kind of a, I mean, I'm sure everybody's given you a billion different versions of this, but basically I've been, I've been a voice actor since I was a kid in my, in my soul, but never really knew what it, that it was a job until I consciously like was aware of it. So I came from theater. I started on the stage. My mom taught theater and she introduced me to shows and musicals and plays and I did it when I was a kid and I did it in high school and everything, but I always had an affinity for sound. Like there was always this thing in my brain that was like, Oh, I love how this sounds, or I love this instrument, or I love this character voice or even people, just people talking. You know, when I hear voices, I don't hear speech. I hear melodies in their talking. So that was very attractive to me. Anything having to do with music or sound was always super interesting. And then in Oh, I was maybe like four or five. I started imitating voices like cartoons and stuff and thought it was just a fun thing that I did with my brother. He and I would play characters that we saw on TV or like, you know, we'd make up like Star Wars stories or Thomas the Tank Engine stories or Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh! or any of those like 90s cartoons. We would like make up our own versions um, with the character voices. And I continued that after my brother and I sort of got out of the habit of like playing together in that sort of way. I sort of began to just imitate voices in anything. And... It was kind of my calling card in high school. Like I became the guy that did voices in my high school, um, along with doing shows and, and musical theater and all that and singing and still a huge part of my life even now. Um, but then in my senior year, I saw an episode of television from a show that doesn't exist anymore, but it was really still very impactful to me called Inside the Actor's Studio with James Lipton. And he was interviewing the cast of The Simpsons, which is one of my favorite shows growing up. And pretty much right when I saw all of those actors doing the voices that I knew so well, it was like magic for me. I did not expect that. I didn't expect that those were, I, it didn't quite click that it was a human being doing voices funny enough. And then when I saw these people doing these voices, I, everything changed, everything changed that Sunday. It was like, Oh, this is something you do for work. I didn't know that. And I sort of just put it all together, but it married all of my love of sound and music and impressions and theater and performing and acting and cartoon, like everything came together. And I was like, well, that's it. That's, it was, it was, there was no question in my mind that that was the career that I wanted. And so from there on, I started studying. I took some classes in college. Um, I was a theater major in college, but then I took voiceover classes specifically and then got very fortunate when I was working at Disneyland. I saw an ad for a voiceover workshop with a guy named Brian, who's the casting director of Walt Disney Imagineering. I took that class, began a relationship with him. And then two years later, he gave me my first job doing voices for um, an attraction, which may still exist. It's an interactive attraction at Epcot and Disney World called Agent P's World Showcase Adventure. It may be shut down by now. I don't know if it's still running, but that was my first job. That was my very first professional voiceover job was for Walt Disney Imagineering. And from there forward, I continued to take class and eventually got an agent. 
um, became part of the union and now I'm here. So that's the like truncated version, but that's basically how it happened for me. And I've loved it ever since. So there you go. That's interesting because uh, you mentioned inside the actor's studio yeah, and it, it doesn't really occur to you, you know, as a kid, when you're watching cartoons, it really doesn't occur to you that, that that's a person doing the majority of the voices because you just assume, oh, it's just drawings. Exactly. And, yeah. then, and then they just add the sound somehow. <laughs> right. Yeah. They pretty much was like, oh, it's, it's there. So I don't know how it happens, but yeah, somehow it gets in there, but you're right. It's like, you don't understand it as a kid, but man, when I got it, I really got it. I was like, oh, this is really dope. I want to do this. <laughs> so, yeah. And, um, you, you know, you mentioned, you know, uh, working as a, as a, as a Disney cast member. Yeah. Um, and when I, when I was doing my research, I also know, I also know that you did, um, black Panther for, I don't know which attraction it was, but you did for, for one of the Marvel attractions. And, you know, was, was there a lot of pressure going into that? That was actually a really weird situation, not in a bad way, in a really fun way, but that was, that's actually after I, cause I was a performer at Disneyland on and off for 11 years, a cast member. And, this came it was it was after i had stopped performing at the park that this came around but uh i think it was during yeah it was during covid that this happened i believe i'm trying to go back in my memory of the timeline but essentially what happened was i was referring a friend of mine to my friend brian at imagineering for other work and in the midst of that email exchange he said hey so i'm working on this show that's going to be in disney california adventure it's um I don't know what the technical name of it is. I think it's Avengers Assemble, but I don't know if that's true. So don't quote me on that. But he said there's an Avengers stunt show that's opening in California Adventure. Right now, Marvel doesn't have anybody approved to be the voice of Black Panther for anything official like this. Uh, if you do a good impression of him, send it to me and I'll see what happens. And so I did. I went, immediately went online and I scrapped together reference audio from Black Panther movie and other, you know, pretty much all from the movie. And I made my own reference audio file. And I did my best version of it and sent both files to Brian and said, hey, this is what I got. Here's what it is. Let me know. And he said, I think it's great. I have to check with the team at Marvel to make sure that they approve it too. And lo and behold, three days later, they said, Brian said, yes, they want to work with you. So that's that's how I got that job. It was completely out of nowhere, completely unexpected, but it has continued to be one of the most important jobs in my career because of the fact that I get to carry such an important role, but also such an important person. Like Chadwick Boseman is an actor I look up to. And so it's all kinds of layered for me as far as being, you know, being a black actor, one, um, in this business, but having the chance to do something that significant for myself, for the world, but also for the black community is, is so, there's so many, so many pieces of it that are so wonderful. So that's, but that's how it happened. <laughs> that's how the, it just was one email and, I said, yeah, I think I can do that. And then that's, I took a shot and that's, and then it, I ended up getting to voice Black Panther and now it's there for however many years that show exists. So I'm pretty fortunate. I mean, does it feel weird hearing yourself and stuff? It is a little weird at I mean, it's still weird. I mean, I've been doing this for over a decade um, and it's still like some, I see some shows that I'm in or some clips of the stuff I've done and I'm like, oh I could have done that better or that's, that didn't quite sound right, but you know, we're of course our own worst critics and I know other actors are similar when they watch themselves on screen, if they're screen actors or, or whatever, but it's not so much weird. It's just learning to accept that I, that I did it and that people like it. I think that's the weird part is like, wow, it, it's strange that I am this 
important of a character. I, I just, it, it, this sort of opportunity didn't really feel like it would happen in this way. So I think that's the only weirdness, but it's like a really beautiful weirdness, you know, like it's, but it, it is, it's a little funky to hear me. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, that's me doing that voice, but it's people are affected by it and people like it. So, you know, I can't really complain, but you know, I kind of fluctuate in and out of it being weird and awesome at the same time. And what do you love and hate about what you do? I don't really hate anything about it. Some things can be frustrating. Sure. Like, you know, anything with this business of entertainment is very um, unstable. I'll put it. Uh, it has no guarantee. There's no, there's no guarantee of anything. Um, you know, I'm not guaranteed to work um, in the future. I'm not guaranteed for any roles. I'm not even guaranteed to keep roles that I got, you know, that that's happened to me. Um, but it's, amazing in that and this is the the great part um so you know the unstableness that you know the unsureness the unknown the unknown is probably the worst part about it but i don't even call it the worst because that kind of excites me to move forward and motivate myself but i will say the best part is to be able to connect with people that like what i do because i'm not in this business to you know I, I i'm not in it for selfish reasons i'm in it to um create characters that people resonate with and to create worlds that people can be part of and they can feel themselves and they can be part they can um feel safe in and feel inspired by and feel excited by and that is such a unique opportunity that as voice actors and actors in general that we get because we get to do this thing where we get to express ourselves in ways that we didn't think is possible explore part of ourselves that we didn't you know we even think to look in sometimes and just bring out these different qualities but then also to connect to people that we don't know we're connecting with is the best part i mean you know I connected with you. I had never met you before. And this is, this is awesome. You know, I, it, your uh, message was so out of the blue for me, but so awesome because I was like, something about what I'm doing is connecting to some other person. So that to me is the best part, I think. Oh no. Um, we'll, we'll get to that because I, there's a reason, <laughs> there's a reason I got you. Here okay. Because, <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. Great. Uh, we got to talk about your, your greatest role, uh, in a bit, but, <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, but, um, uh, out of all the characters you've done, which one would you say was the toughest? The toughest. Good question. Um, oh, there's a lot that I can't say. Uh, but uh, toughest? Um, are you talking like acting wise or vocally or like what, what kind of parameters are you thinking or just overall? Toughest? I mean, just just the one that you, you just um, like it was the most challenging. Okay. Let me think about it for a second. Um, in recent memory, probably, uh, there's a show called Valley of Tears. That's an HBO Max show, um, that is a foreign dubbing, uh, show that they put on HBO. Um, and I played the English version of a guy named Yoav. Um, so this is a live action dubbing role, but it was hard because, well, it was mostly my voice. So vocally it wasn't challenging because it was basically my own voice, just a little bit different, not too much, but something to fit the character more. But what's challenging about dubbing is you one have to match the lips on the screen by watching the words at the bottom of the screen and making sure that you're, you know, accurate with your sound. But there's that part of it. There's also carrying the emotional arc of the character. There's the fact that my character was one of the leads in the show. So I had a lot of work to do, but there's also, keeping emotional intensity in places where you don't come in with that in the room. Like it's a war story. So there's a lot of heavy breathing. There's a lot of combat. There's a lot of intense moments and maintaining that for a long period of time in the booth is really awesome and very rewarding, but very exhausting. And I learned a lot about endurance 
doing that specific role. So as far as challenging wise, I think I would put that pretty high, but not in a bad way. It really just kind of opened me up to the function of dubbing and what that means, but also just up to my endurance as far as bringing just bringing it in the room and making sure I, I consistently have that energy. So I think that would probably be the one um, that I would say is, was the toughest. But again, it was tough in a great way. And what what was the um, best and worst advice you've ever been given as an actor? Best advice is um, as a couple of things. Being kind has has given me all kinds of different reward. Just being kind to everyone you interact with, no matter what position they're in and what they're doing in any sense of the word in entertainment. It's really important, I think. Um, and also the value of education. Uh, I still take voiceover classes. I still, you know, I teach as well, but I, you know, I, I think education. And then finally, a, a really great advice is don't let the distraction of what could be or what might be or what ifs take you away from what you want to do. Because um, the second you do that, then your brain space is filled up by all these questions and you aren't focused on just what you want to have with your career. Um, one of my favorite versions of putting it, because my plan A, obviously, is, is what's happening now is being a full-time professional voice actor. But um, somebody said, have a plan A. That's your dream. That's what you want to do. Plan A is that your dreams and, and your goals work out. Plan B is to make sure plan A works. So there's there's zero room to like mess around with going for what you want. So those are the biggest pieces of advice, I think, that have driven me. Worst advice, oh, I haven't really gotten any super bad advice because the people I talk to I trust and have a lot of integrity. But I think one thing that I see that is not so great is doing this for the wrong reasons. Um, Bob Bergen, who's one of my favorite people in voiceover and who I've taken from classes several times and talked with him a bunch. One of the things that he preaches in his, um, in his voiceover um, uh, when he talks to students is, you know, do this because you get a high at the microphone. Do not do this for the money, because once you do it for the money, you're kind of sunk because you're trying to please some other source other than yourself. And I think that's so valuable. So it's kind of a good, it's kind of bad habits wrapped in good advice, if that makes sense. But yeah, so I think that's, I think that's something I would say, don't, don't do that. Do this because you love it. Don't do it because of the reasons that you want to, you know, be famous or, or, or get money or, or whatever, which is, you know, money is important. We all have to live, but Anyway, I, I've, I've, I've kind of come around a big circle, but hopefully that satisfies your question a little bit. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think one of my, my favorite quotes is when I had um, Trevor Duvall on the show like uh, years yeah. ago. He had said, you know, you know, this is a great job, but there's just no security in it. And that's so sure. true because, yeah. you know, you kind of, you know, while it's fun to play all these characters, you know, if you're not consistently working, you know, you're not, you're not making money. And, right. and you need to understand that voiceover isn't just doing cartoons, anime, and what have you. It's exactly. also promo. It's also narration. It's also oh, e-learning, yeah. all these things. Yeah. I, you know, I promote most, I mean, I promote pretty much everything that I do. Um, my stronghold is in animation and video games and character stuff. But, you know, I, you know, just recently I did three spots for Toyota and I've done some stuff for, um, for Buffalo Wild Wings recently. Like, you know, I, I still, I, I don't discredit any version of this work just because there's so much to be done. And I know that I need to establish a career and establish relationships with multiple kinds of people. So yeah, I totally agree with him saying, you know, do all the stuff, get as much experience as you can, learn everything and be solid in what, in what you're doing because it's necessary. So yeah, I totally, definitely agree with that mindset.
Also, every actor you've ever seen or ever talked to is is still learning as well. So yes. there's no shame in it. Like there's no no, no shame. Oh, no. In it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I the minute that I become complacent, I'm like, I learned it all. I I'm done. That's it. My career's over. <laughs> like I learned so much from taking classes, from teaching students, from watching my other um uh my my fellow voice actors that I'm friends with out here in town, like so much. So yeah, yeah. I basically just echoing what you said is is absolutely true. Absolutely true. So, you know, now with that all all that out the way, let's talk about yeah. my favorite character you've ever done. Okay. Dark Choco Cookie in uh, Oh Run. man, yes. Dude, awesome. <laughs> I love that he I love that he comes up. You know, he, he was such an unexpected character and so unexpected that he would mean something to I was just like, "Oh, this is a fun thing. Oh, this is a really great great game, great characters. Lots of people I know are doing other stuff in the game. I had no idea the significance of this game." And I'm so delighted every time that he comes up in conversation, honestly. No, because when I had um, some other cast members, because I've been interviewing like uh, other cast members who play the game. Yeah. All of them say, you know, I really love Dark Choco, Dark Choco Cookie because his voice is really cool. So, Oh, that's, dude, that's dope. Oh, that means a lot. That's so cool. Oh, that, that's so awesome. Thank you for telling me that. That's great. So, but how did that, how did he come about? Was he an audition? Yeah. You know, this whole business is, it's so funny because, uh, it, it is much less glamorous in some cases. And in this case, it's, it's the traditional, yeah, I got an audition, uh, like, you know, over a year ago or whatever it was. And I, what's, what's amazing about this specific one is it was so shrouded in mystery because I got the audition from my agent and it was an on-camera audition. If you can believe it, it was an audition where I had to talk, you know, I've done that before for like motion capture. Cause I've, I've done some motion capture for, games and things like that but this was like it was weird because they they just said it's an on-camera audition film yourself recording these lines um the name of the game was coded and the character was coded so i did i had no idea what setting this was in all i had to go off of was what the emotion of the character was and so when i did the initial audition it was just sort of a darker version of my own voice um and I sent it out and I was like, cool. Uh, I, you know, like any other audition, I just, I do it, do the best I can in the room and then forget about it. And then about a week and a half later, maybe a little bit more, I don't remember the time difference, but they said, you got this. Um, this is what it is. This is the character. Um, and they said, this is when it's going to record. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And then I sort of started to learn more and more about what it was because I went into the session and they were telling me like, yeah, you're going to sign this book. It's going to be a giveaway for the character. We're going to give you these cookies that are, you know, that they specially designed to look like the characters. I got a sweatshirt. I got all this swag from the thing. So that was it's like, this is more prominent than I, that I believe it to be. Um, and then as far as the voice goes, it was interesting because there is a slight difference from the first sessions that I've had to the later ones. Um, but it's so funny because I always think about how we're all influenced at some point by something we've heard. If we're doing a voice, like it's usually, if it's, if it's, out of the blue creative like that's another piece of it which is great but for me i definitely realized that i was basically doing my version of christian bale's batman by the end and i didn't know this until because you know dark chocolate cookie could also be batman but uh he's more evil and and more like kylo ren from star wars you know it's just this darker thing so that's but that's literally where it came from just it's kind of dark 
so it's gonna be here and then it got more gravelly <laughs> so that's where the voice came from but yeah that's and then dark chocolate cookie emerged from that and apparently people like him and i think it's great so because yeah. he because he plays a big role in in the lore and i know again it, something else i didn't know had i known i would have been like oh i'm way too nervous i can't hold that that's i can't carry that but yeah i'm glad i learned later on but continue i interrupted you no because um you know they reason you know he, he, we're gonna go into spoilers because it's kind of tough not to uh-huh. because right of course of course because yeah. you know the the two recent chapters that they released you uh-huh. know deal with with the storyline with his father oh, yes and then yes. him finally you know leaving the bad guys at the end and yeah and his fate uh-huh. is left mysterious so we don't know what yeah. happened to him so mm-hmm. he could show up again maybe not we yeah. don't know but yeah but i but was that was was that tough you know doing doing uh the, the storyline stuff for that because it really gets really emotional and i am talking about a game about talking gingerbread men (laughs) (laughs) it's really funny right like yeah i didn't think it was tough because it was just i didn't treat it anything any differently than i would have seen in any other setting in that way i mean yes the world is sort of silly and the, the characters are funny and they look really cool and like but you know i think that adheres to what the game is about anyway because it's such a colorful world But when you get down to it in voiceover in general, characters are characters and heart is heart and arc is arc and emotion is emotion. So I didn't, I didn't, none of this, none of the like outer filters of it being in a cookie world really affected my ability to just sink into the gravity of what was going on. I just, I really played it like a father and son reconciling what their history was and even reconciling what was going on with himself. And I think by doing that, it adds the reality to the scene, which is why people get pulled into certain story story arcs is because they can feel the human emotion behind whatever character, cookie, monster, whatever it is, the emotion carries and the emotion connects. And so I just played it like I would any other scene with that situation of reconciliation, acceptance of yourself, um, uh, exploration of, you know, parent-child relationships and what that means what that what those implications are because i know a lot of us you know a lot of people in the world have varying degrees of what that's meant to them or how it's impacted them so yeah there was a lot that was just easy to pull from and easy to use and and or um uh, a challenge and and a and a really fun challenge to sink into well, what does this mean what's what's going on in this moment why what's what's really under the surface of all these words and these scenes so was it hard not necessarily um, in the sense of what to do, but it was definitely a challenge in maintaining that and really making it real because that's all that we have to do is we have to make it real. Otherwise people won't care. So there's, there's varying, uh, there's varying degrees to the, to answer your question, but I really had a lot of fun. I really had a lot of fun digging into that because it's important stuff. It's, you know, these situations are not foreign to a lot of people. They attach to them for, for specific reasons. And I think that if people are resonating with this story, for these for this character then i've you know i've done my job and i'm really grateful that it's worked <laughs> you know that's all i can hope for is that it just worked and people like what i did so and then i'm satisfied at the same time so there you go plus i just love the fact that he's you know his character is just basically just a cookie version of guts from berserk yeah <laughs> yeah i know it's i i love that's another thing i love is is what people gain or what people hear and what they attribute it to i think it's I think it's a really cool compliment, honestly, when people are like, oh, it's like this person or like this character. I'm like, dude, that's great. If that's the association you're making, 
even cooler because it's not it brings up more stuff for me it's like oh wow like that's something i didn't know about or something i wasn't aware of but yeah it's totally great and i just love and i just love how people just uh, refer to him as like just generic anime protagonist antagonist because <laughs> yeah. he falls right into that that category he, re- he really does but there's a reason it works i think uh so but yeah totally i totally think i totally see that yeah i got a picture of him in my, in my studio right now i'm looking at him i got a photo so yep i totally see it uh, what are some of your favorite lines um oh well, let me think it's been so long since i've like gone because i i'm you know i i'm i do something and i move on to the next project um let's see i think um the one i posted a reel of behind the scenes of us recording the characters and in my part of it um i think i only wanted to be a hero if i'm saying it right um that's one of my favorites just because it it's like it says everything about him in one sentence you can hear the pain and you can hear the or you can feel just when i read it like you can feel the 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 pull in both directions like you know he's he's quote unquote evil and he's bad and he wants to do these things because he thinks he's motivated in the right way but really you know i only wanted to be a hero that kind of says a lot if you're really down at the in the grit of it and that's the thing you you say um I also love, you know, and, and only because I revisited it and because I posted the video, I think uh, meet your end and perish are two words, that I, two phrases that I loved. But I have to go back and watch the cutscenes from the new stuff because I knew that it was coming out and I didn't know exactly when. But now that fans have seen it, I'm like, oh, I should probably go and pull that stuff just so I remember what I did in the session. But yeah, from what I remember, that's it. But I, did you have anything specific that you you liked? No, I I loved his um you know uh, meet your end and perish because those are the yeah. lines you you hear a lot and <laughs> right. um you know that cursed sword that's another yes really good oh one. I forgot about that yeah the cursed sword oh, how can I forget yeah yep 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 the no. cursed sword yeah no but oh. but he's like my favorite character because like I he is so well rounded and very. Like, I never expected him out of all the characters to have a, a, an arc. Like he's like <laughs> of all the characters yeah. to have an arc, and, and again, because yeah. I'm a huge uh, Berserk fan, you know, he's basically yeah. you know guts from Berserk, and I, I I think that's kind of you know wear your inspirations on your sleeve, I guess, you know, because he's you know right. I wouldn't say rip off, but it's clearly he is inspired heavily by that archetype of like you know brooding swordsman with. With a, yeah with a, with a sword yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again not not even conscious but you know like i said sometimes these influences just come in by divine i call it divine intervention call it whatever you want but yeah somewhere in my mind those things were put in there when i saw this when i read the lines i had i had no visual on this character by the way before i did it i had nothing i had the lines and a name that wasn't even real and a game name that wasn't even real and then i saw the art when I got the job. So it was so funny to be like, Oh, this is who it is. Wow. Okay. So yeah. Uh, kind of cool that way though, because then my imagination was a little bit freer, um, just to be like, well, this, I'm going to make it how I see it, how I hear it. So yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And I think the coolest thing about him is, you know, again, you know, I know that they're all, you know, gingerbread people, but he's, you know, obviously black coded. So to see Mm -hmm. a character who is black coded, have this, arc and it and it being treated you know very respectfully very serious and yeah and just playing a big part and and i just love seeing that i love seeing you know people of color play these larger than life characters that would have gone to a white person 
you know, yeah. t- a tw- 10, 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. And that's a really interesting thing that you bring up too, because that's something that is consistently, it's shifted quite a lot in the last few years. Um, and I don't really, cause I'm only, I'm in this grand scheme of voiceover. I'm fairly, you know, not new, but I'm not like, you know, a 30 year veteran or anything like that, but I've loved seeing the evolution of the awareness and opportunity and respect for different kinds of actors for different kinds of roles that are being more prominently featured in the ways that they should be represented. So I think it's a huge deal. You're right to see someone to, for me to be someone of color, to voice someone of color that is in a way that's respectful and big and open and impactful. Yes. I I'm just agreeing with what you're saying, but yeah, it's, it's, I really feel a lot of value in that. Um, And a lot of the roles that I've been privileged to do, um, a lot of which I cannot talk about at the moment, but I will at some point in the future, but are also um, actors of color, characters of color. And I'm so thrilled to be uh, a piece of that, that, that shift and that, that community and that, uh, that, that world. So yeah, thank you for saying that and bringing that up. I think it's great. And, and I bring that up because, you know, you, you also played, played Black Panther and, yes, you know, Black Panther, you know, for people who don't understand, like, you know, I, cause I rewatched it again and, I I had never realized like how 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 a big of a deal this movie actually was because this is the first time where you know you got a black superhero movie. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, there there had been I think attempts like you know uh, like Blade when that came out and um, a couple of other things, but yeah, this one. Well, I'll tell you, I've only seen this movie maybe two or three times total since 2018 when it came out only reason being nothing can nothing can repeat or replace my first viewing um opening night at the el capitan theater in hollywood with a thousand other people watching this movie like it was it was it's like when i told i was telling some recently it was like it's like the ancestors were there with us in the theater like we were just communing together witnessing this amazing monumental performance from a monumental actor watching a screen full of 97% people of color celebrated all different shapes, all different voices, um, hairstyles, clothes, like everything. It was just, it was so, it was magical in a way that I hadn't experienced before. And yes. So by, because of that reason, Black Panther is still my favorite Marvel film. And my brother and I still talk about how, great it is and so even more a reason for me to be so honored to play him um in the capacity i have i mean because i mean because it, it it didn't even occur to me until recently like yeah no this wouldn't have been made you know five years ago much less like yeah. 10 years ago because they yeah because people would be like you know you want like you want me to make a superhero movie where the majority of the cast is black? Eh, yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, it's amazing how it felt like more of a risk in in someone's, you know, in, in people's eyes. But I'm so happy that Disney and Marvel stepped up and did, did this amazing thing. And I mean, it was the top, I think it was, it was one of the top grossing Marvel films ever after it came out or something like it broke some record for Marvel when it was released. And I'm like, yep, that's it we told you <laughs> like we knew it. Um, but yeah, it was, oh, it's so amazing and so impactful. And I love that it exists and I love that the character means something to people. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could go on forever about black Panther, but, but yeah, anyway, my, my point is that I love seeing uh, the direction we're going in and that, you know, we're yeah. giving, 
people of color more opportunities. Like I said before, like one of my favorite yeah, actresses yeah. working today is Zara Fuzzle, and you know, you know, being you know, oh, me, Zara, yeah, yeah, you know, being <laughs> me who you know grew up, you know, I'm Arab, and yeah, yeah, you know, seeing someone, you know, a, a, you know, brown woman of color, you know, Muslim woman of color get these roles and you know she's someone who grew who like me grew up watching a lot of old disney cartoons you know she right she's huge into darkwing duck and you know to yeah, see yeah. someone who grew up from that era make it you guys don't understand how much that means to me oh yeah and she's just top top people she's awesome i just actually went to uh epcot uh disney i went to disney world epcot um a couple weeks ago and she is one of the main um, actors in like the pre-show, like in the line and stuff. She's interviewing Star Lord and and Gamora, and I was and so it's cool to just see. <laughs> so she's she's consistently on the forefront of all these amazing roles. I'm like, of course, Sarah gets it. Like she's she's amazing. So yes, I agree with you, and I'm really happy for moments like that. And and that's why like I think it's important to. You know, I've said this before. I'm tired of putting people down. I want to put people up. I want to like right. celebrate right. people's accomplishments, because and 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 again, like years ago, I I would never see someone, you know, have like a Middle Eastern name on any of these properties, like show up right? and credits yeah. of these things. Yeah. yeah, seriously. Well, I mean, whatever it took and whatever changed, it's I'm all about it. So I'm gl I'm glad that uh, I'm glad it's affected you in a positive way too because you also are someone that deserves to see that we all deserve to see ourselves in these amazing things, and finally that's happening. So, yeah, and 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 same thing with Cookie Run. Like uh, recently, I, yeah. I talked to someone, uh, Cameron Nakad, who's um, yeah. you know an Iranian voice actor who yeah, yeah. who played like uh, one of the newest characters. Um, uh, yeah, one of one of the newest characters. Oh, cool. And okay. yeah. that that means a lot to me because again, like I don't see, you know, we don't see a lot of Middle Eastern people in in these types of in in these, in these types of games. Yeah, you know, unless you know they're playing a stereotype or anything. Right, like that. So, right, yeah. So it is so refreshing to see someone, you know, a person of color, get hired because of the talent and not oh, okay, we need like a terrorist or something. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah, you're like we've. Please expand, expand your minds a little bit. So yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Absolutely. How have you been holding up in, in the past two years? I've been good, actually. I've been really expanding my business as a voice actor in a way that has made me be able to live how I want to live. You know, I live um, in LA and I have my, I made the transition to having my own apartment, which is great. And I have a home studio, which you're currently listening to me from right now. Um, so adjusting to what the technological aspects of voiceover means has been a really interesting shift and a really interesting evolution, but I love having a home studio. It's so nice. Um, and being able to work from here, I work here about 50% of the time and in studio 50% of the time, but what the pandemic did before all of that, and before I was really, um, had more momentum is I, uh, was not super focused in the way that I needed to be with my career, honestly, because working at Disneyland while one of the most joyful experiences of my life, it was really sort of making my focus drift a little bit away from, you know, auditioning correctly and turning things in and having a focus on what my real, you know, job that I wanted to be was. So because everything shut down, but because voiceover didn't, it kept going and it kept going strongly. I really was forced to look and say, hey, this is what you want to do. Remember, like, this is what you really want to have happen in your life performance wise. 
career-wise. And because of that, I think that's the most positive thing for me that came out of COVID was a huge shift toward what I actually want and really locking me into what I need to do to make my life how I want it to be. And it's continuing to grow in the way that I want ever since that point. So while it sucked in so many ways, it's been a gift in a lot of ways. And I'm, I'm choosing to see more of that stuff than the sucky stuff that everybody talks about and, and goes through. And I know that it ex still exists and is still, you know, horrendous. Um, and a lot of things happen, you know, amidst those two years um, in varying other degrees too as well. But I will say that due to the lockdown-ness of it, it made me see what I needed to see and it made me do what I needed to do to make my life how I wanted it. So ultimately it's been good with all the crappy stuff that we all went through, but ultimately there've been a lot of good things that have come out of it. So I'm not complaining too much. I mean, all it took was a global pandemic for you to, to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the leap of faith now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For real. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it happens. Everybody does it differently, but you know, I'm glad it, I'm glad, I'm glad someone was, Somewhere, someone was like, hey, wake up. Here it is. This, take the jump. You got to jump. You're going to do it. And I did. You know, I left Disneyland officially. Uh, I actually worked at Universal Studios as well for about six years. Um, and I was working there simultaneously with Disneyland for a few years in there. Left Universal in 2019, which is a big deal for me, a big leap. And then Disneyland, I made the leap in about eight months ago, about October, November. Somewhere in there, I officially closed the books and took myself off the schedule. Um, but it was great because both places, I was left with a very firm bridge of um, confidence. They said, if you ever want to come back, you know, you have a job waiting for you. And I'm like, thank you for the offer. I, I won't be doing that, but I'm happy to leave w under those terms. And so it was, it was the best possible solution. So I'm really happy that I left on good terms and also that I took the jump into the unknown for my own sake and for my own work. Um, it's been very valuable. Uh, what did you do at Universal? At Universal, I did a lot of different things. I did. Uh, I was a tour guide on the studio tour for for three years. Uh, I did the tram version. I also did the VIP version, and then entertainment wise, I did the. Uh, I was in an attraction called the House of Horrors for a little for about four months. That there was a haunted attraction at Universal. I was Nosferatu for a little bit before that closed down. Um, train conductor at Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Host in the special effects show. Worked at the Transformers, uh, hung out with Donkey over in Shrek for a little while. I was a Who and Grinchmas um, special event zombie for the opening of the Walking Dead attraction when that was still, which is not there anymore. Um, and various other special events and little things like that. But yeah, so I, I really made my way around the entertainment department while I was there. And I did everything I wanted to do and learned so much. And I'm so grateful for Universal for my years there. Uh, do you have any funny stories during your time there? Let's see. Um, yeah, actually, uh, this is kind of an example of live theater and what it can do. So I was a host at the special effects show, like I said. I did both hosts. They're affectionately known as host A and host B. And I was host B when I first got hired in. But they're the two main people that are on stage explaining how special effects work in the movies. And that is a very timed show. There are very timed cues. It's very specific where you have to be, what you have to say, where you have to go, what you have to do. And in the beginning of the show, I was backstage ready to run on for my entrance, you know, in the first minute and a half, two minutes of the show to come out as host B. And about 15 seconds before I was supposed to go on stage, I realized, oh, no, I didn't put my microphone back on. It's still upstairs. Do, do I have time? Do, I, and I had that argument with myself. So I ran upstairs, put on the microphone, came back, 
and realized I had no time. And I ran out and my pants were undone. My shirt was open. My microphone belt was shown. Like it was the worst version of my costume to show to over a thousand people at Universal Studios. And I was in a spotlight, you know, there's nowhere to hide. We're, we're two people on stage, but just coming out there with my, you know, my costume basically half off. Luckily I have something underneath for another scene later on, but like just, it was embarrassing. It was frustrating, but it was also really funny. My friend, Mike laughed at it, laughed at me for after it was like, I deserve that. Like I, I was not prepared and this is a memory I'll have forever now. So um, that's one thing that definitely sticks out, but live theater. I love it for that reason, for those unknowns. Plus, um, when you're doing live theater, you also you got to make sure like you, everybody can hear you, even <laughs> even the people in the back. Yes, so. yes, exactly. And that's why I was like, I got to get a mic. I, my voice will not carry to that that far. It can carry far, but not that far. So, yeah, definitely. And have you done any live theater besides that? Oh, yeah, lots. Um, so, you know, I mentioned all that stuff at Universal. Disneyland, I was a Dapper Dan for a little over five years. I did the Fantasy Fair show over near um, the castle. I was uh, Simba and Tale of the Lion King back in 2019. I was a host at Food and Wine Festival. Uh, I did for a little bit, and then I got COVID, so we had to stop the run. But I'm coming back to being Jonathan Larson in a live production of Tick, Tick, Boom in August. Um, I've worked with the Troubadour Theater Company for several productions of theirs. Uh, I just did a, re- song, a show called The Review, which was by um, a composer, Jim Dooley, who like he composed the music for like a show called Pushing Daisies and Epic Mickey and lots of other stuff. Um, so I did that. And um, there's other stuff that I'm not remembering right now. But uh, yeah, live stuff. I, I My education was doing things on stage. So I've been doing musicals and plays since, you know, I was a kid. So very, very part of my um, very much a part of my blood and really informs my voice acting as well. Um, cause it's theater of the mind. So, but those are the things that come to mind immediately as far as live stuff. Uh, I can go back and tell you about, you know, other shows I did in college and high school, but you know, you get the, you get the gist. I, I have done live things and, and I really love it. It's great. No, I, I think it helps coming from a live theater background because you already know acting. So it's not, you know, so right. so, it's not, so you're not going in there blind. You're not being yeah. like, oh, what is voiceover? I want to 100%. do voiceover. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. It saved me so many times not having to think about various aspects of what voiceover means. Um, of course, I've, you know, I'm educated, you know, now in a lot of different things that I didn't know. But like, as far as you're right, the, the sense of acting, what that means, how that works, what it means to be a performer, all that stuff. I was like, I already know this. That's really helpful that I know this going in. So, yeah. Because a lot of people have this misconception of, oh, you know, you just do funny voices. No, you kind of need to be a good actor. Too. No, yeah, exactly. You kind of need to act. I mean, it's called voice acting for a reason, you know. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm glad that, you know, and some people aren't super aware, which is totally logical. You know, you don't really think about it when you're on the outside of it. But, yeah, it's a lot of it's acting. It's it's a lot of acting. I mean, you mentioned The Simpsons. um, you watch older episodes of that show and you realize, you realize, oh, the reason why these performances are so good is because the actors are acting while yes. putting on voices. So it's exactly. not just, you know. Yeah, it's totally the characters, totally the realness and the authenticity of the performance. That's what makes it good, not the voice. The voice is great, but that's not what makes it good. Um, and who would you say are some of your main inspirations? 
main inspirations, Corey Burton is the name I throw out first. Usually he's my favorite voice actor um, just because of the work he's done. I This is a lot of work that I love. Like he's the Haunted Mansion ghost host during Haunted Mansion Holiday. And he's the, it's a lot of Disney stuff because, you know, I grew up watching all those things. But it, he does like the voice of the Disneyland tram. And he's the official voice of Captain Hook and the official voice of Ludwig von Drake. And he's done some stuff. He was um, Hugo Strange in the Arkham Knight series. And he, he's uh, so, so many incredible performances and so many characters from such a private, unassuming guy. But he has such an immense talent. And I just love following his work because I love what he does. So definitely him. Uh, obviously, Mel Blanc is an inspiration of mine. I think that is for most of us. Um, Oh, who else? Uh, well, Bob Bergen, another big one, because I just love his work and I love what he does for the community. Um, I got to also say my friend Bill Rogers is a big piece of my life because Bill has been the voice of Disneyland since 1991. So this is his 32nd year being the voice of Disneyland Park. And I've become very fortunate to be friends with him and his wife, Cami, who is the voice of California Adventure. And I've learned so much from him about what it means to be a good citizen in voiceover and what, how to give back and what it, what this business means to people and why um, different like emotions that I would have or different doubts or different things he would like guide me through how to navigate that stuff because he's so established in the business and he has done so much work and so much goodwill for other people so I definitely include him on the list um, and then you know I'm continually meeting people that I'm in awe of um, my friends and everything and, and colleagues of mine so but as far as um, and then, of course, you know, actor of color, Phil Lamar. I feel like there's a lot there with him. I love him. Um, Kevin Michael Richardson. Um, I'm, I'm going to miss some of the Cree Summer. Um, you know, other, I, of course, you know, I'm drawn toward um, actors of color when I think about the work, too, because I'm following in their footsteps and I want to make sure the community is upheld in the right way. So I, I, I check, I, I really aspire to be a lot like them in a lot of ways as well. So yeah, there are names I'm forgetting and there's people that I didn't mention and whoever's listening, I'm sorry if I forgot, but you know, um, yeah, those, those are the ones that come to mind uh, pretty instantly for me. No, it's interesting. You mentioned uh, Phil Lamar and uh, Kevin Michael Richardson, because, you know, going back and watching any show from the two thousands, it's like, Oh man, they, they were like basically like half, half the cast. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so funny, but you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Like same thing with Cree Summer. It's like, oh, we need a woman of color. Oh, Cree, Cree can do it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> I know. But she's brilliant, and so that's why it works. But yes, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that stuff is great, but at the same time, there was a point where even I was wondering, like, are there any new people? Are there any new people? Because I'm getting kind of tired of hearing the same two or three voices. And yeah. I'm kind of glad that's that's changing now. Be where they yeah. they realize, yeah, you know, maybe maybe we shouldn't hire Tara Strong and and Gray Delisle to do all the female voices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's really funny that there has been this. Uh, I mean, you know, everything comes with time, and I'm glad that the time is now that I'm living in for this renaissance of this renaissance of diversity. Um, it's really wonderful, and I'm really privileged to be part of this era of voiceover where that is happening, and people are noticing, and people are realizing the importance of that authenticity when it comes to how to cast these roles, not only from people of color, but also, you know, the LGBTQ community or, or, um, uh, or, or, you know, anybody else that's in a very specific sect of the world. Um, 
it's really great. I really love what's happening. Yeah, um, that, that's also another no, another point of contention is that you know seeing people from you know the LGBTQ community being given the opportunity to to you know to play to play in in this you know creative world is also great because you know again it's giving it's giving voices to people who would have never been given the opportunity years ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um... There is an amazing documentary. Uh, no, not documentary. There's an amazing show um, that I did dubbing for called On the Spectrum. And it was a show. It's not. Uh, there's another show that's out there called, I think, Love on the Spectrum, but they're different. Um, the show that I did, I played a speech. I, I was dubbing a speech therapist named Alex. But what was cool is the production company had the foresight to cast on-screen talent and voice actor dubbing talent that are all on the spectrum you know, for those roles that actually were represented by. So I was like, this is so cool. Like, I'm so happy that <laughs> finally, you know, so I love that just overall, there's this whole new shift in, oh yeah, the people that are part of these communities, they should probably be the people to do it because there's going to be authenticity there that you can't make up. So I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. You know, maybe we shouldn't get like, you know, white people to voice every single ethnicity on the planet. I mean, maybe, right. maybe yeah. we shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what a thought, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's when people ask me, like, you know, what do you think about the you know the whole Simpsons thing? I'm like, yeah, it's great, but I kind of feel like it it shouldn't have taken as long as it as it as it as it. Um, yeah, took. yeah, yeah. There there is. I know that there's you know discussions about that, but in my mind, the fact that it has happened is a great step. You know, even though it took a while, it's a good step forward. And hey, you know, I was not someone that was super aware either, you know, grow, even though I grew up obviously, and still am a black actor, I just sort of accepted that that's how it worked. You know, it's like, Oh, well they can do this accent or they can imitate this sort of um, ethnic group. Okay. You know, they sound like it. So why not? But then, you know, as I got older and as I became aware and as I became part of that world, I'm like, Oh no, this makes a lot more sense to do it this other way. So it's amazing that, you know, even me as somebody that you'd think by default would be like, yeah, that's obviously, yeah. But, you know, I, I totally sunk into the normalcy of it. And I'm so happy that people are being woken up and people are being uh, rocked to the idea of what's going on. So I think it's all great. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, it's, it's just one of those things where I feel like this is a discussion we should have had a long time ago because – yeah, you, know, you just watch those those shows, you know, from years ago. And yeah, you can say, oh, years ago, but like from the, you're telling me from like 2005, 2006, we couldn't have had this discussion, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and who knows what was going on in the minds of the people, you know, making it or doing it or producing it. But yeah, it should have happened. Uh, but, you know, as Rafiki says, it doesn't matter. It's in the past. So now that it's, now that it's here and now that we're doing it, I'm so thrilled. And uh, what are your plans for the future? To continue the work that I've been doing, um, which I know is sort of a boring answer, but honestly, it's just to continue to do the work that I do and to create a world for myself that is satisfying for me creatively, but also to be part of projects that are big for other people and make them inspired. Um, you know, I think about different shows that I've loved growing up, and I think I, my goal is to be, become... Um, to create, continue to create characters that resonate with people um, and make them think or make them excited or happy or laugh or sad, you know, whatever. But, you know, another 
more specific one that I have, which I don't know if this has happened because I haven't really gone online to look, but I, I said when I was in college, I was like, I want to create characters that I see kids imitating on YouTube or, or part of their like, you know, compilation of impressions because that's what I did when I was growing up. Um, so if I'm part of that, then I will have done my job, but I'm going to continue to work and continue to make good things. I think that's the goal. That's the plan. And you never know, just, just, you know, keep, keep at it and maybe something big will come down on the, down the line. And yeah, you know, people will really listen to this and be like, oh man, you had so-and-so on and he didn't talk about the thing he's known for. Yeah, exactly. I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> right. There are, there is one specific thing that I feel like is like that, but it's not coming out till next year. So I unfortunately can't say, but there are, I'm humbled by every job I get. I'm humbled just to be able to work. And so Big or small, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be cool to see what happens over the next few years with what I with what I get to do. I'm excited. I really am. Yeah, I'm I'm excited too because you you know you you have you know a lot of range and and I feel like you know you know dark choco cookie is if if dark choco cookie is any indication of <laughs> of the work we're going to be seeing in the future. I'm right. Like, yeah. You know you. You know, he's he's a name that's going to be, you know, put, put this guy on, on your list because, you know, yeah. he's he's going to be the next breakout star, hopefully. <laughs> right, right. Oh, I can't wait. Anyway, before we wrap this up, uh, can you give us an update on what you're currently working on and where can people find you online? Yeah, so right now, um, oh, you know what? I do have stuff that is coming, um, but I can't discuss yet but you can see all of my updates on my instagram irs voices um that's also my website irsvoices.com it's also my twitter handle i'm also on facebook isaac robinson smith um but yeah there's there's things that are that are coming but there's a lot of updates that are constantly on my um instagram and i post about what what i'm doing so you can just you can just watch there um but the updated things as far as i'm working on right now are not going to come out for like another year or two so but they're good things so you know hopefully we'll get to talk about them when they happen yeah, I, I can't wait. Um, thanks yeah. so much for taking the time out to do this. This has been oh, a yeah, wonderful been great, conversation. Dude. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks so much. And if you ever want to come back, you know where to find me. Sweet. All right. <laughs> take, take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.